Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. In our life. You have come to our lives and knocked on the door of our hearts asking us to let you in. And that if we open the door, you would come in with the Father and sit down and have supper with us. And we have experienced that. And we know, Lord, there's still more. We know that the condition for us to see your glory is to fully surrender. So we pray, Father God, that you have mercy on us tonight and allow us to search your word and seek out your heart. These things that are written in there are for our example, for our admonition. And the more we surrender, the more we're able to see your glory. The more we deny ourselves, the more we see your life. Prosper your word tonight in the hearts of your people. Allow us, O oh God, to grow to seek the things that are above and to be acquainted with your purposes upon the earth, to be glorified in all things. Let this be a good seed in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. One of the places where we see surrender the most is when we're surrendering to the things of this world. And it's amazing. Uh, we were reading 1 Kings chapter 20. In verse 4, there's a continual siege taking place. That means that other kings wanted the territory of God's people. And you know and I know that if we let up for a second, we will lose everything we have advanced because the devil desires to take it all. And here in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 4, it says that the response of the king of Israel, as he answered and said, My Lord, O king, just as you say, I and all that I have are yours. I want you to continually make these words resonate in your hearts tonight. My Lord, I will submit. I will become your subject. I recognize you as king. Just as you say, I, me, and all that is in my possession is yours. This is the utterance of surrender. There is nothing else that is called surrender. Understanding that you are owned and belong to that person you surrender to together with everything that you have being theirs. Somebody said that this is a good thing, but this person is surrendering to enemy forces 
That means lust comes at your door and says, everything that is in your house belongs to me. A spirit of lust will take you as its master and you will be its subject. And for you to utter the words, me, all that is here belongs to you. And we wouldn't be fast pressed to do this confession. I just, I just put it out there as what we need to come to terms with to tell God. Everything I am and everything I have is yours. A word in the Webster Dictionary for surrender is to cease resistance. To stop fighting. To stop hiding. To stop resisting. Because ultimately, a surrender is confessing that you know that you're not going to win or succeed in this resistance. God, I believe, wants full control and use of our lives and our time. Those of us who have not been able to move in that direction are still struggling with surrender. Uh, as a young man coming to the Lord, it wasn't very attractive for God to say, give me your whole life. Like, <laughs> no, thank you. You're not going to sequester and kidnap who I am and what I'm doing. I don't know you. I don't trust you. Five years later, I said, God, I've come to a conclusion. Everything I haven't surrendered, I've lost. And everything I have surrendered, you've made a thousand times better. I surrender all. I surrender all. Coming to that conclusion was very powerful in my life. To allow something to have complete influence and control in your life, that's surrender. To not be able to do that becomes an issue for our lives, for our children, for our future. If you start in verse 1, you'll notice it was the king of Syria. This is a bad king that had come and joined forces with 32 other kings with their horses and chariots and they went up to Samaria to put, place it under siege and to make war against it. Then he sent a messenger into the city to the king of Israel Ahab and said, this is what the king of Syria bin Hadad says. Verse 3. Your silver and your gold are mine. Your lovely wife and your children belong to me. Everything that you perceive to be yours is mine. Your most precious things, your marriage, your family. And this is where it says in verse 4 that the king of Israel says, You, king of Israel, are my Lord. And just as you are speaking, I and all that I have is yours. I believe that our 
worst case scenario of not surrendering to God will ultimately affect our lives, our marriage, our family, our children, and the purpose God has for them. Our inability to surrender becomes an issue. Our thinking that there's something that we can negotiate and compromise in our surrender becomes a total deception from the enemy of our souls. The reason why I believe that it's important for us to surrender to God and to come to the place to realize the extent of that surrender is based on a declaration I see in Isaiah 43.1. Now thus saith the Lord who created you. That, that, that becomes a premise because God has created us for himself. He wants us to take on that form. He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have paid a price for you. These are all the things that, that is bringing us to the understanding that, that we need to acknowledge Him as our Creator. God, you did not create me for purposes out of your desire, of your pleasure. You did not form me that I could be conformed to this world. I, I'm not to walk in fear. You have purchased me. These, these are all things that when the Lord calls me to give up my law practice, my response was, if I recall correctly, when I became a lawyer, I didn't know how to read or write. You're the one that has blessed me to be here. And because you have given it to me, you're entitled and you're in all your right to request it back. That was my thought process. Because in my heart, I was totally convinced that had it not been for God, I would never have any hope for this life and existence. I have no future without God. So if the man has a game plan outside of my thoughts, I bow down. I surrender. I don't even, I don't even come up with good arguments. He says, fear not, I've purchased thee back. I called thee by my name. And he says at the end, you are mine. You're mine. There's no argument with that. There's no, there's no resistance. There is no opposition. I would tell people all the time, if God asked me to stand on my head and not move, I would stand on my head and not move. If God told me to sit down, I would sit down. If God told me to stand up, I'd stand up. If God told me to get up and leave, I would get up and leave. That is, that is, that is powerful. To understand the concept of surrender just a little bit more, we know animals that refuse to surrender. How many know some animals that are resistant to surrender? One of them is the mule. It says he requires to be bridled. I think it's Psalm 45, if I'm not mistaken. Psalm 45, verse 
9. That wasn't it. That was, that was what we shared on King's Daughters. Let me get it. Because it's important that we see this real quick. 32.9. I'm sorry. The Bible says, Do not be like the horse or like a mule, which have no understanding and have to be harnessed with a bit and a bridle, else they will not come near to you. God is talking to us. How many say amen? And God is not being, he's not being funny when he says a bit in a bridle. He's saying, brother, what is it going to take for you to surrender? What is the force that needs to be placed in your life for you to move in the direction of God's heart? And you know what it should be? It shouldn't be a pastor. It, you know, praise God for pastors. But you should be so in tune with the Spirit of God in your life that you're moving in God's direction, not because a pastor is placing the vice grips upon your life. There, there is the desire of God way, way beyond the physical and the natural. The Spirit of God so zealously yearns for our surrender. And, and every time he presses upon our heart in any direction, and what comes out is words to the contrary, words that resist, words that refuse. You stick your heels in, and you're unmoved. And that's not an issue with the pastor. It's not an issue with the... Moses is not an issue with the church. It's not an issue with the ministry or the vision. Is there still issue with not being able to move? Not being able to move. Do not be like a horse. Do not be like a mule, which have no understanding. They must, required, be harnessed with a bit and with a bridle, else they will not come near you. And so the verses that follow there are very pleasant because he's saying, my people are not like this. My people, in verse 7 says, you, Lord, are my hiding place. You're my refuge from trouble. Every time I move and sur am surrounded by you, I hear songs of deliverance. I will instruct you. This is what God says. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. The eyes are in the head, right? How many say amen? God, God just, you can tell. You can tell when somebody surrendered. They're fully ready to go. Just a glance. And that becomes the blessing of not being required to be harnessed. Not required to, to have impositions. Lord, give me a glance. Give me a glimpse of what a harness looks like. Verse 10. Many sorrows. 
many hardships, many situations that requires you to leave your attitude and your ego and your contribution. The one who needs not a bridle, who needs not a harness, is because they have fully trusted in the Lord. Their confidence is in the goodness of God. Nothing, nothing will move us from the faithfulness of God's love. Total surrender allows you to enjoy that life. His mercy shall surround him. Those who trust God. What keeps you is God's goodness. What keeps you is God's is, is, is awesomeness. Not to worry no more. I'm surrendered. I'm going with the flow of God's goodness, of his mercy, surrounding me. I don't want, I don't want to be harnessed. I don't want to be put a bit in my mouth, a bridle, to have to come in God's direction. So our disposition is one of, verse 11, continual joy and gladness, rejoicing and shouting for joy. Those who in our hearts are not trying to do anything but to see what God is doing. What is God trying to bring about in all things taking place? I was reading 2 Samuel 23 where messengers were sent to David and he was asked, before you die, tell us the secret of how you were able to fight the battles of the Lord. How were you able to bring the glory of God over the land of Israel? And so there in 2 Samuel 23, chapter 23, verse 1, how do I know that it was his last words? Because the Bible says, now these are the last words of David. That's how I found out that he's, he's about to die and that these were his last words. And he says, this is what the son of Jesse, David said, the man who was raised on high, who was anointed by God, the guy who wrote this Psalm 32 with regards to the harness and the bit. He wrote many of the Psalms of Israel. We have, tonight we can enjoy the fact that he moved in that regard. It says, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me. Everything that was coming out of my mouth, verse 2, was the Spirit of God. That's what David said. His word was continually on my tongue. Verse 3, he says, the God of Israel, the rock of Israel, would speak to me. And he who rules over men must be aligned and just, ruling in the fear of God. So he says, I was just trying to follow the Lord. I was trying to be led by God. I was walking in deference to the Lord. And when you do that, verse 4, you shall be like a light in the morning, like a sun that comes up when the sun rises, like a morning without clouds. There's no fogginess in this matter. Like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear uh, shining after rain. Although my house is not so with God, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant. There's issues at home. 
with his children, with his family, yet God has entered into a covenant ordered in all things and secure. For this is my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? If my desire is to serve God and to surrender to God and to follow God, isn't God going to allow this to continue? And then he gets to this place and he says, but there are rebellious sons shall all be as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with the hand. The man who touches them must be armed with an iron and a shaft of a spear and they will be utterly burned with fire in their place. What's this, what, what does this represent? This represents what Nicholas said on Sunday. I don't know if you heard Nicholas on Sunday. This were my son's words. He said like this. He says, when I was a little boy, I was a child. If they wanted me to do something good, they would show me candy. If they wanted me not to do something bad, they would spank me. So as an immature brat, when I saw candy, I would do it. When I saw punishment, I would move. But when I became a man... I understood that my desire is not based on candy or spankings. It's based on pleasing my father. Woo. And I need this so that I could do the next part of my life when I get married with a wife. I don't have to manipulate her. I don't have to give her a new car for her to listen to me because she's going to see my example. And she's going to desire, just like I want to please the father, she's going to want to please her husband. She doesn't need a new car or a new pair of clothes or go to the mall. She's a woman. And so in that regards, it's important that we see what David is saying here. He's saying there are certain men that will not move unless you have a shaft or a rod and you prod them and you poke them. And, and this is not unusual. And don't feel yourself a little bit intimidated with this word because when Jesus comes to Paul's life in the book of Acts, and we will read that here also, he tells him in the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 14, as he is telling this story, he's telling the story to what happened to him in court, and he said, when all, we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you going against me? It's a hard thing for you to kick against the goads. Why is your disposition to, now in context, the only animal that requires a goad. Can you guys find a goad there on, on the internet so we can put it up on the screen? It's called, not a toad with a T, a goad with a G. G-O-A-D. This instrumentality was a long shaft with a very sharp end that would allow an ox to plow the field. Say with me, work. As... The, the, in the Bible, the ox is a symbol of being a servant. And it's doing the work of the Lord. And he says, this, this is the word, ready? Take my yoke, which is easy, and my burden, which is light. This is a goad. This is the rod shaft that King David was talking about. Some men require the continual prodding 
with a painful, say with me, painful, painful instrumentality. And what Paul was doing in Acts chapter 26, verse 14, what God says, it's a real hard thing that you continue to kick against the goad. You continue to, say with me, hurt yourself. A sign of non-surrender. A sign of, I want to do what I want, how I want, where I want, as I feel I want. And he says, Paul, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen that way. And the only one that is getting hurt in this process is you. The only one that's suffering is you. When we do not surrender, the hardships are horrendous. I have seen some people that wish that in a certain time of their life, they could rewind six months before and say, let me fix my attitude. Let me get my line. Let me be in such a way that God does not allow the consequences of my non-surrender to be my nightmare, my reality. I want to just say some words here with respect to surrender. If I could order my thoughts and my notes. The expressions of surrender are based on Psalm 13.5. I fully trust in your absolute continued love towards my life. I can surrender because I know that your mercies will not fail. I know your love will never depart from me. My heart can rejoice in this salvation. Lord, let me experience that intensity of embrace. In other words, no one can take my inheritance from me. No one. There, there has been given nothing to nobody that subtracts the love, the mercy, the fulfillment, and the satisfaction of his faithfulness. Nothing will stand in the way. So I can, this is the, I don't know, you know, here's, I'm going to say it like, it like I have it in this translation. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. Therefore, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Just a complete surrender because its trust is in God. It's confidence. This represents my energies, my efforts. To concentrate on offering up all to Him so that I'm not... Uh, a hindrance to what he wants to do. Surrender is not surrender without placing all of what we are and who we are in the hands of the person who's requiring the surrender. That's why it was so powerfully to, to hear this guy say, I belong to you and all that I have is yours. This is what this is the, the that's the the basis of the word. We need to say, Lord, 
I'm yours and everything I am and everything I have and everything I'm ever going to be and everything I long for and everything that I wish and everything that, that is your desire and completion and fulfillment with my purpose in this life belongs to you. And therefore, I put before you, laid down, the full expression of my every thought and sentiment at the feet of the Lord. What I have, Lord, of any good or excellent nature is not my own, but is you who gifted me with it. This is how one woman prayed in this regard. She says, I pray you grant to, to grant that my surrender be real and authentic and complete. Not only in the words of my mouth, but in deed and in truth. Not simply a spiritual submission, which might be counted easy and pleasant, but the constant denial of self and every argument keeping under the body and bring it to subjection, which I find so difficult to be able to do. Lord, let my surrender not be fake. Let it be on the premise of your goodness. One of the things that she says is based on redemption. People don't understand redemption, but it says it there in Hebrews 9.12... Not through blood of goats wasn't the price of cows, calves, but through his own blood. His own blood purchased you. So everything belongs to him. Even while we are so unlovely and unworthy, to be able to surrender. And this is true. This is, this is it. This next thing. Because everything is, is God's doing in our life. Just like salvation has been wrought for eternity, surrender is a gift of God. God has to give you the ability to lay down your fallen and selfish nature. And the reason we can surrender is because it's the natural flowing reality of grace. It's grace that allows us to surrender. It's the goodness of the Lord that allows us to understand the benefits of surrender. If we look at God like I did when I was first a Christian as a tyrant, it might be courageous to resist. But to rebel, surrender unto a father is to be an ungrateful rebel. Does anybody know one? Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son walking away. What was in his thoughts? What were his conclusions? This son totally blew his inheritance. Totally blew his inheritance. But one son was able to teach us. Mark 14, 35. As he went a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed. If this 
if it were possible at that hour to pass from him. Verse 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will. I surrender all. I lay it down. These are words, my friend, that you must come to in order to see God's glory. This is what you must come to in order to see the faithfulness of God fulfilled. Resisting God, standing back, taking a sentiment of opposition. It could be for a million reasons. I see the sentiment that Nicholas's have, and, and I see some people saying, well, that's just, uh, that's just not normal. And it's not. It's not normal to surrender your life unless you trust in the love of the Father. Unless you want the inheritance real bad. One of the things Nick said in Texas was, a lot of my friends don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing and surrendering all, but I'm living for the time to come. I'm looking at the back end of this process. My friends can't see that. So his motivation, just like it was Jesus, for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. He surrendered all. I believe people that don't surrender is because they don't have a clear vision. They don't have a clear understanding. One of my motivations many years ago was to see my uncles and my aunts and the families in our homes that had never surrendered. And they all had good reasons for them not to. But they all perished. And they all missed out. They lost their children, they lost their families, they lost their inheritance, they lost their reputation, they lost their honor, they lost it all. And so one of my motivations was I, I will be the first generation of people that, that didn't live going after the donkey's carrot that is moved by the attractions, the lust of the flesh and the desires of this life. Let's ask the ushers to come here. Tonight we will participate in the Lord's Supper. I, I want to, as they come up, for you to be able to, to search your hearts. And you might, just like what I started tonight, saying how much more, Lord, do you want me to surrender? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow it up with everything because that's what he's asking from me. Everything. Surrender it all. Surrender your reputation. Surrender your, your thoughts, your great exploits, your wonderful situations. Uh, real quick before we do that, there, I, I don't want to, because just to make this all complete, this king of Syria, when... The king of Israel said, everything I have is yours and I am yours, O king and Lord. I want to just tell you just for a second that your surrendering 
your non-surrendering to the Lord is actually your surrendering to something else. And when you surrender to the enemy like this king did, it wasn't sufficient. Because... Verse 5 says, when the messengers came back to King Ben-Hadad, saying, Indeed, he has sent to you, saying, You shall deliver me your children, your silver, your gold, your wives, your children, but I will send you servants tomorrow about this time. They, on top of your gold, your silver, your wives, and your children, are going to search your houses and the houses of your servants, and it shall be whatever is pleasant in your eyes they will put into their hands and take it. The devil's not playing games. He's here to strip you of everything. And whatever is not surrendered at the feet of Jesus will be lost. Because the enemy has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And the only thing I have after 30 years of walking with the Lord is that which I have surrendered to him. That is what is sustained. That is what is precious. That is what the devil can't touch. Tonight I want to pray before we have the Lord's Supper. We can't do anything in Christianity, in our walk with Christ, in our belief that overcomes the world, lest the grace of God allows us to do it. But to not take the grace of God or to kidnap the grace of God, or to twist the grace of God, to continue to walk in non-surrender is a travesty. And many people are doing that. My friend in Peru who's Brazilian says, Joaquin, 30 years ago when I went to Bible school, they told us Bible pastors that we were to forsake all things to come to Christ. Nowadays, they're teaching, if you come to Christ, you get all things. And that is an abomination. Because God requires our surrender continually. I don't want to mess up tonight with the word that God has given me for you. So I want to touch on one more verse in 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, 3. Because here is the progression Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. To an inheritance which is un incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. But listen to verse 5. You who surrendered all are being kept by the power of God. Everything you surrender to God, He keeps in His mighty power through faith for salvation. And it shall be revealed. It's going to be unearthed, the things that you laid at His feet. Father, tonight I thank you for this word. We are not mules that you need to harness with a bridle. We are not horses that you need to place a bit. Otherwise, we will not come to you. Do not bring sorrows in our lives. But let us be wooed in your love, in the confidence of your unfading faithfulness.
unfailing love. Allow us, O oh God, to be absolutely surrendered, totally 100% given over and poured out as a sacrifice without compromise or negotiation. Our time, our talents, our treasures. So that we might see what David promised. That it will go well with the upright. That we would be forbidding or resisting, kicking against the goads. But to follow you wherever you may lead. To see your glory and faithfulness. To receive an inheritance that's incorruptible. That will not fade, oh God. Reserved for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.